So when you start with the reality that what the Bible says actually corresponds to what we know to be true in the physical world, then you can gain some confidence that having a biblical worldview is not just another partisan position. It's actually opening the way to better understand reality itself. It was Pontius Pilate who famously said to Jesus, what is truth? That question still rings today at the heart of so much conflict in the world. Hi, and welcome to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today I'm talking with Dr. Jeff Myers of Summit Ministries to address that question and other issues in the epicenter and around the world. Dr. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Carl, great to be with you. Appreciate your friendship and appreciate everything the ministry does. Now, um, I know our listeners are looking for Joel on this podcast, but uh, it's just you and I this time, bro, and uh, we're very excited. Joel is uh, off writing in Jerusalem right now, but we really felt like it was important for our listeners to kind of understand this whole concept of truth. Truth is so much in the news today and maybe behind so much in the news today. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit to, to just orient ourselves on on the work that you've done at, at Summit Ministries and and, and what is Summit Ministries for our listeners? And how do you approach your work with uh, what you do? Well, there's a lot right there. The mission of Summit is to equip and support a rising generation to embrace God's truth and mm. to champion a biblical worldview. We do that primarily through these epic two-week-long programs held in Manitou Springs, Colorado, right at the foot of Pikes Peak. And in Lookout Mountain, Georgia, every summer, uh, these programs invite young adults 16 to 22 years of age to come together, bring all of their hard questions about their faith and about how to view everything else from the perspective of their faith, especially as they prepare to go to college and to find answers to those questions. And it's remarkable. About 1% of young adults in America today have a biblical worldview. By the time they leave Summit, 85% have a biblical worldview. Wow. And it's and it persists. We study our graduates one year out, five years out, ten years out. So it sticks. I guess the good news for parents and grandparents is you can help your children and grandchildren develop an unshakable faith. They mm. can be strong. This idea that young adults will walk away from the church, this is not inevitable. There is something we can do. And we we just tie together the generations. We bring in 75 different uh, major Christian thought leaders who are the best in their field. They know more than these students' college professors do about the key issues, and they're better able to articulate how to think well about those issues. So students can go off to college confident that they know the truth. Wow. Wow. You know, that, that is so amazing. And I just know that there's there's so much more for us to unpack here with that. Just for our listeners' sake, you know, we're you and I, I think uh, we, we share a common passion to connect the dots. And for listeners to this podcast, they'll know that, that Joel and I often talk about connecting the dots from the biblical narrative through the current moment in Israel uh, and the, the current geopolitical situations that are that are pressing in on Israel. And then we connect the dots to to biblical prophecy and, and where those things are going. But they're all predicated on this idea that the Bible is true and uh, and that it's a, it's a source not just for 
uh, inspiration or comfort, but for information and for direction and for guidance and for constructing what I know you talk about a lot at Summit, which is a, a Christian worldview, a worldview that encompasses uh, the basic parameters of, of biblical truth, but also applies that to, to every dimension of life. Let me ask maybe what might be an obvious question, but why do you think that this generation uh, needs to be brought into an understanding of, of what a a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview is all about. Well, Carl, ultimately, this is an issue of truth. Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you follow my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There are two key components there. The first one is truth. The word used in the Greek, in the Koine Greek, which was the language of the original copies that we have of the New Testament, is the word aletheia. It means reality. Hmm. And then reality sets you free. Well, how does reality set you free? Because we now have a generation of young adults who seem to think that it's a social good to deny the very existence of objective reality. You can be whatever gender you want to be. You can be whatever you want to be, right? That's sort of the way they're thinking about it. Where did that come about? I should probably mention that. Several decades ago in universities, professors began teaching that the truth is not something that's objectively knowable. All we have are our perspectives. So the words we use do not bear any necessary or even relevant relationship to reality. Words are just words. We socially construct our own reality. So if that's true, Carl, everything Mm. becomes political. Mm. Everything becomes political because it's no longer an issue of can we find the truth it's an issue of can we make sure that we win with our particular perspective hmm. so the rising generation has gone far away from understanding in the united states the constitution or what the founders were trying to do and or what a free market economy looks like and embraced whatever trends they think will help make them personally powerful wow. so that's what we're dealing with And of course, that affects politics, it affects geopolitics, everything else. You know, politics comes from a root word, polis, meaning the rule of a city. Yeah. And the founders of the United States said, here's how we do this. We first of all identify the principles by which we will operate. Then we develop Mm -hmm. policies based on those principles. And then we grapple with the fact that we all have different personalities and we don't agree on a lot of things. If you don't start with the principles, you can never arrive at good policies and then you can never deal with the personality issues that come up. So I think for a lot of people, when it comes to issues in the Middle East, they're just looking for what gives them an advantage politically. They use rhetoric. They'll say whatever they want to say Mm -hmm. because they believe that it will cause their opponents to be ashamed and to stop speaking, and then they can get their way. Wow. I mean, you, you've just opened up so much of this conversation towards, you know, how all of this integrates and relates to, you know, the world uh, that we live in, uh, Israel and the, and the current uh, situations there and the, the conflicts and the, and the stresses. But it also, it, it, you know, you, you know, Summit, and we're going to talk about your book. I mean, we got a whole book on this now. It's just crazy. We're going to, we're going to get to that in a second. But I want to start with this younger generation and the idea that, you know, Summit has, has really embraced. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've known about Summit and been uh, actually had the privilege, I think, years ago, uh, sharing, you know, a little bit on persecuted Christians, as, as you know, uh, on, on a Summit stage. And really just some of the most amazing teachers and content that you can imagine, anyone can imagine. So, but I want to, I want to ask, why do you start with the young, 
people? Why, why not just go after the political influencers and the big shots and the big, the big power brokers? What's your thought process there? Well, young adults may only be 15% of the population, but they are 100% of the future. So we're trying to think ahead to, <laughs> to what, what our nation needs and what other nations of the world need. Our summit programs are being, are being used or have been used in 90 different countries. So that's, that's about half of the world's population that's had some access to the programs that we've been doing. And we believe that the truth can set you free. And there are a lot of things that young adults need to be set free from. So we establish a basis of reality and we start with scripture. Now, a lot of people say, well, scripture, that's what you do on Sundays. That's what you do in church. That's not actually the real world. That's sort of our escape from the real world. That's not how we see it. We don't run a camp so that people will go away feeling differently about God or feeling differently about themselves. We want them to go away seeing everything differently because they start from a biblical worldview. And, and we maintain and we support this factually in our programs that the Bible is true, that it is the basis of reality, and that a worldview based on that will lead you to all of the kinds of freedom that you want. Uh, personal freedom, first and foremost, is, is really significant. You know, psychiatrists will tell you that if you want to overcome an addiction or deal with anxiety or depression, the first thing you have to do is grapple with reality as it actually is. And the same thing is true in relationships. Psychologists talk about attunement. You have to be able to have a shared basis of reality in order to mm. even talk with another person. Well, the same thing happens in, at the national level. If we don't have a shared understanding of reality, then we can't grapple with the big issues that we face. And Jesus brought freedom. That's the amazing thing. You look at what Jesus' followers in history did, the political freedoms we have today, the justice system that we have today, mm. our economic freedoms, medical care, science, art, education, all these different areas came about because Jesus followers believe not only that the truth exists, but that Jesus is the truth. The truth isn't just a set of logical propositions or a mathematical formula. It's a person. It's Jesus. That yeah. personal but logical nature of the truth changed everything. Uh, Carl, because I know we're going to be talking about geopolitics, sometime it'd be interesting just to take a map of the world and look at the nations that have the greatest religious freedom. Then take a map of the nations that have the greatest political freedom. Then take a, a list of the nations that have the greatest economic freedom. You know what you'll find? Mm. They overlap. That's the Nations that, that start good. with religious yeah. freedom, have political yeah. freedom, have economic freedom. It's like Jesus said, if the truth, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Yeah. And it doesn't work backwards that way, right? I mean, just because you're economically prosperous doesn't mean that you're going to somehow arrive at religious freedom or uh, social freedoms. I mean, talk a little bit about that, why it's so important to, to have the foundation be a biblical religious uh, worldview freedom uh, starting at that level. Well, it, it's important for it to be biblical because a biblical worldview correlates so strongly with reality. The biology mm -hmm. and the theology come together. You know, today we debate over transgenderism. And I don't blame confused kids. Tell, I'll tell you, I believe I think there's an industry behind it. There's an ideology behind it. There are lots of people who intend to gain power and make a lot of money off of confused kids. Yeah. But the Bible starts off with God made every person in his image and male and female, he made them. Well, that's what the biology tells us. 
There's 6,500 catalog differences between males and females. It's not just a matter of secondary sex characteristics. So when you start with the reality that what the Bible says actually corresponds to what we know to be true in the physical world, then you can gain some confidence that having a biblical worldview is not just another partisan position. It's actually opening the way to better understand reality itself. That's why it's so important. Well, that is so important for people to understand that you don't get at this uh, as a luxury because your economic situation allows you the freedom to do that. No, it's the opposite. It's the commitment to the biblical understanding of truth in, in the world that that allows you, in a sense, to have political and economic freedoms. Uh, and I, 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 I so encourage people to kind of check this out. Because sometimes, you know, we're just not interested in asking the deeper questions sometimes. We just want to know uh, a simple slogan-ish kind of answer. And unfortunately, you know, for, you know, for too many of our listeners, you know, they live in worlds where these questions aren't raised. Tell me, I mean, I know you and I both agree, I would say, that the church is, is God's plan A for the world. But there have to be some reasons that a place like Summit has to exist. I mean, is the church failing in keeping a biblical worldview in front of people in the church in general? Hmm. I think many churches are failing. Uh, we, we find when it comes to addressing issues that are of concern in society, a lot of pastors, almost all pastors, believe that the Bible does have something to say. But then when they're asked, which of these do you ever bring up? Only 10% ever bring up anything related to what's happening in the world around them. So people come to believe that there is the world of church and then there is the world of everything else. And that the world of church is it's a separate thing. It's like turning on your favorite show. You can do it or you don't have to do it, but it it's, you know, doesn't really matter that much. You might miss some key plot points, but who cares? You know, there's always another show you can watch. What we want people to understand is that a biblical worldview is a pattern of ideas. And we know about patterns. If you want to be successful in business, Carl, you have a lot of business experience. You've got to understand the patterns of the business that you're in. Hmm. If you want to be successful in athletics, you've got to understand the patterns of play of your opponent and know how to defeat those patterns in order to obtain victory. The same thing is true in the world of ideas. There are good ideas and there are bad ideas. There are idea viruses that infect us and destroy our capacity to think. So yeah. starting with a biblical worldview is really central. I don't know if that gets at the answer to your question, but that, yeah, I, just, yeah, well, I had that on my heart. I had to get I mean, that out there. We, Joel and I have talked a number of times about one of the challenges that we face in helping uh, the churches realize, it's like you said, there are things that, that if they're not taught and maybe they're not even positioned as sort of fundamental to a healthy, developed worldview, that, it, that if the church is not teaching it, people are just not going to get it. So uh, 27% of scripture, Joel has analyzed, is is prophetic, uh, is about prophecy. And how many of us go to churches where that's regularly taught, maybe at more than a quarter of the sermons. Think about it that way. No, that isn't really a thing. And, you know, it's part of the same thing. If we don't educate people to a, a broader understanding of a, of a biblical worldview and really understand what Scripture teaches about those things, we, we will be uh, suffering from a, a lack of an educated and informed uh, body. And whether it's a uh, general worldview understanding or if it's, you know, I always loved what uh, I think, uh, I think it was um, uh, Francis Schaeffer who said, uh, all truth is God's truth. Maybe I'm getting that somewhat wrong, but that is a powerful statement of what a worldview is really all about and why we need to be encouraging 
the church to continue to address this question. I love to watch American football, and I was better <laughs> at watching it than I was at playing it. I will tell you that. Truth. True debt. But here's what's interesting. If the players on the defense notice the players on the offense lining up in a particular way, then they can make guesses about what play is likely to transpire. Mm-hmm. And if they have lots of experience, if they've practiced, if they're able to coordinate together as a team, then they can defeat the play that is coming. That is prophetic, okay? Yeah. The play hasn't actually happened yet, but wow. they are noticed the patterns, and because they understand the patterns, they can know what to do. Well, the same thing is true in Scripture. We like to use a passage from First Chronicles that tells about the tribe of Issachar, a tribe renowned in Israel because its men understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. What did they understand? They understood the way things would go if you start with certain assumptions as opposed to the way they would go if you started other assumptions. Hmm. So prophecy isn't just this ephemeral thing, something way out in the future that's distant. It is our ability to take the patterns of truth that have been given to us by God and then apply them to the world so that we can make accurate predictions about what happens next and what to do. Wow. Fascinating. Dr. Jeff, we're going to take a quick break right here, and uh, but we're going to come back to this question of, of uh, biblical Christian worldview and Israel. What do we think about it? How can we think about it? What about our understanding of world events? And, uh, and then we're going to talk about your book, uh, Truth Changes Everything. And, and uh, just come back in a second, and uh, we'll be back just for a minute here. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Our verse of the day today is found in John chapter 18, verse 37. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And our prayer requests today are, Pray that believers around the world will be strengthened to stand for Christ, despite the prevalence of Antichrist cultures and worldviews. And second, to pray for people worldwide who are searching for truth so that they come to know Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Hi, well, we're back with Dr. Jeff Myers from Summit Ministries, and uh, and we've been having a fascinating conversation on the, the foundational aspects of a Christian worldview and what it means to really uh, strengthen us as believers. So, so Jeff, I got to ask you this question, you know, because we are talking about inside the epicenter. And, you know, that is our terminology for Israel and the neighboring countries where all of human history is sort of at a fulcrum point. So how does a Christian worldview help someone understand Israel today and historically? 
and maybe even prophetically. Well, those are three really important aspects. I've traveled to Israel twice. I've been able to meet with religious and political leaders there. I was struck by how tiny the country was. I was also struck by how vibrant and even conflictual its political system often is. But I was especially struck by the nature of the stewardship that takes place there, the way natural resources are used, the way the economy is developed. And in many ways, Israel, I think, is a model for us of how you can take the mind, you can cultivate the mind and create prosperity. Now, think about that for a minute. Most people on university campuses are secularists, postmodernists, Marxists. They believe that only the material world exists. Therefore, there's only so much to go around. There are only so many diamonds. There's only so much gold. There are only so many trees. Natural resources are the only possible source of wealth. But a biblical worldview doesn't say in the beginning was the world. It says in the beginning was God. And from Mm -hmm. the mind of God came everything else. Well, we're created in God's image. So we use our minds to come up with ideas, to make innovations, to find sources of inspiration. Any nation that makes provision for those things and allows or even encourages people to use the products of their mind can actually create greater wealth and prosperity and security for its people. I know when people look at Israel, they often look at the political situation. They look at the conflict with Middle Eastern nations. They're governed by a form of Islam that in in some cases is quite radical. And they, by looking at the political situation, sometimes miss one of the miracles that's taking place in this tiny nation of Israel. You know, there are more innovations and patents and mind work coming out of Israel than probably any other nation with the possible exception of the United States of America. But we're 10 times the size of Israel. Well, you know, Israel is the size of what, New Jersey? Yeah, exactly. And here you have people there who are literally bringing economic transformation, prosperity, healing from deprivation, all of these kinds of things that are so important in the world. And the more Israel focuses on this, the more it's able to release its history of socialist policies from back in the Mm -hmm. 50s, 60s, and 70s, the more it's able to participate as an equal partner with many of the world's what we call advanced nations. And it's so interesting to me that out of that is coming a lot of opportunity for geopolitical peace. You know, it's been a topic of this podcast on a number of occasions, uh, the Abraham Accords and the peace uh, deals done between the UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, and several other nations now, and Israel, uh, brokered uh, largely out of the uh, prior Trump administration's perspective on bringing people together to provide economic foundations for people-to-people exchange and and so, so forth, really leading with that to build peace bridges in those areas. And I think that's what you're referring to there, and that is there are things happening right now that are only understandable, uh, in my mind, from understanding how God works in this way to give people an opportunity to fulfill Scripture through actual work, <laughs> to to have businesses and to have creativity. And when God 
writes in Ezekiel about the flourishing of the land of Israel, that didn't just happen through, you know, a, a divine miracle out, you know, out of the, the sky. It happened through the industry and creativity and energy of the people of Israel that God blessed and God uh, actually uh, enabled to happen. What other ways that you see the the, the scriptural, you know, uh, worldview kind of things taking place and and helping uh, confirm our view of the truth of Scripture on this. Well, I'm smiling a little bit because I, having been one who's read through the Bible every year for the last 17 years, this time of the year I find myself looking at the history of Israel as I read Scripture, and it's fascinating to me that when God brought the people into the promised land, it was not bringing them from a time of toil to a time where they had to do nothing, just lay around and God would make everything happen. <laughs> he was bringing them into a place where the work, the, 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 the strength that they had built, the resilience they had cultivated through their time in the desert would then be able to be of benefit to the rest of the world. And I think it's interesting, the Abraham Accords, of course, God's promise to Abraham, you look back at is it Genesis chapter 12, Scripture says that God told Abraham, I will bless you, and through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Amen. That's yeah. what we're seeing. But, but you've made a great point about work. If you don't like your job, this is going to come hard. <laughs> but God made work. God is a working God. He was at work in creation and he continues to work today. Work That's was a right. part of his design in Genesis chapter two before the fall. In other words, That's God's right. good plan for the world included that we would be working hard. Now, there are a lot of people who have a materialist worldview who work hard, but they work hard to try to take opportunities away from other people in order to enrich themselves. It's kind of like children in a kindergarten. You know, you got two kids, you got one fire truck. Somebody's <laughs> going to get to play with the fire truck. How yeah. do they decide who gets to play? You know, and, and a lot of people have this view of the world, like the whole world is this pie. And in order mm. for some people to have more, other people have to have less. You have to divide the pie up into smaller and smaller pieces. A mm. biblical view that has produced economic freedom, and I talk about this in my book, Truth Changes Everything, says, why are we just trying to make smaller and smaller pieces of the pie? Let's make more pies. Yeah. Let's make more. Yeah. That's and right. that's what economic freedom produces. Yeah. Well, I, I was talking to a, a, an attorney in Israel not too long ago, and he said that in 2021, there were $71 billion initial public offering companies launched in Israel. So think about that. You know, you, you've seen an IPO on Wall Street, you know, when they ring the bell and they do all those things. But, uh, but initial public offering means that there's a company going public that is, is so uh, valued uh, that people want to invest in it right from the very beginning. So you can imagine a billion dollar initial public offering is, is remarkable. There were 71 of those in Israel alone. And uh, I tell you this, for a country the size, the energy, the dynamism, and the, the, the work ethic is just incredible. And I think, and maybe uh, you as a worldview expert could correct me on this, but I think that if you follow God's plans in Scripture, God's own way of doing things, even if, and we say this with respect, even if you don't believe in Jesus as Savior, but you're doing what God wants to do, He's going to bless those things. Those things tend to be more blessed uh, because they follow after God's principles. And I think Israel is seeing that happen over the last generation. Industry-wise, it's just a remarkable testimony to how God's Word gets fulfilled. It gets fulfilled through the work of people uh, doing the things that God intends. So 
Um, I think that's that's evidently true when when you travel to Israel. Uh, unfortunately, ten years transpired between my first visit and my second visit to Israel. I didn't intend for it to be that long, but that's the way things go. Things go. It was remarkable yeah. to see the difference. <laughs> Yeah, my wife and I were just there just uh, four months ago. Oh. It is remarkable to see yeah. the difference, even just in the last ten years. And and think about how it changes the nature of how people get along. If everybody's scrapping for scarce resources, there will always be conflict. But mm-hmm. when the opportunity comes to produce value, mm-hmm. so that everybody can have more, everybody can have enough then those conflicts tend to dissipate. And we've seen that happen not only in Israel, but other all, all kinds of places around the world. Yeah. Well, that is a great segue to our next section here. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, the way the Joshua Fund has been. Uh, well, Joel and Lynn founded it on the basis of being what we call a both and ministry. We're kind of unique. In a, and I would say that uh, there are very few that, that, wish to enter into this kind of realm because it's really quite fraught with uh, challenges to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. That's, you know, blessing Israel and the neighboring countries. I mean, most people ask you to choose one side or the other, the political divides, the social divides, the religious divides in this area are deep. uh, They're profound, but we've always felt very called to blessing Israel and the neighboring countries and the Israel and the Palestinians, and and to create that both-and model. How would you say that a Christian worldview helps support that both-and perspective? What ways do you see that? Christians trace their history back to the same source, the Jewish people, to which Jewish people trace their history, and Muslim people trace their history. We go all the way back to Abraham, to the blessing that says that through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And we hold to a worldview that says that if you obey God and you honor him and you're prepared to work hard because of the vision that he has given to you, that your work then can produce fruit that anyone can eat. Hmm. So a Christian business person isn't a Christian business person because they ask their clients, hey, before I come fix your plumbing, I just want to know, do you have a relationship with Jesus? (laughs) No, they, they bring the blessing of excellent work, good customer service personal caring, all of those kinds of things to everybody, regardless of their worldview. And that, I believe, begins to show the nature and character of God through Christ to other people. Well, we've, we've often cited also, you know, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, when Jesus told that story was, was really at the core issue of what is, I mean, in modern parlance, you know, you, you can't, we talk about a good Samaritan and it's just kind of neutral to us. But in those days to talk to a Jewish audience for Jesus to say there was a good Samaritan, people would have been like, you're kidding me. There's no such thing. (laughs) And unfortunately in our over-politicized modern world, there are, there are people who would look at one or more of these people groups and go, they're just all terrorists or they're all this or that. And I think, you know, again, having a grounding in scripture to the mode and method of Jesus's ministry for him to say, Hey, I want to tell you a story about a good Samaritan is, is pretty powerful for us uh, as a ministry to, to kind of base saying, we love Israel. We bless Israel. We want the world to be blessed as, as you said, through that promise, but we are also deeply in love 
with the people that God loves and also died for on the other side of the political scale, on the other side of the religious spectrum, on the economic spectrum, all of those things. So we, we try to really strive for a balance in that both and worldview. Mm. That's a powerful thought because as an American, I think when I engage with people from other nations, what is it that I am attempting to bring? Am I attempting to bring America to them or am I attempting to bring Jesus to them? Because honestly, if you think from the perspective of other nations, America has a lot of baggage. What most people in the world see is not America's founding principles or the freedom that people enjoy, or even the willingness to get along with people who have different religious convictions than you do. Mm -hmm. What they see is the cultural product that is coming out, which is very often culturally offensive and negative. Yeah. So we want to be clear that what we're bringing is Jesus is the truth. And when we start with that, then we can see how freedom flourishes, economic freedom, political freedom, religious freedom, and, and all the other freedoms, freedom from addiction, I, I'm freedom from anxiety and depression, and all of those things. So mm-hmm. we want to be careful as we do that. To know the truth, the truth will set you free, like you're just saying. Uh, that's that's huge. So, so last question on this section for me is: so right now, as we record this, Israel is in in in, in probably the greatest uh, season of social disruption and dislocation over a variety of issues: political, uh, judicial, lots of things that are happening right now. There, it's a time of turmoil. How would you counsel Christians to view? some of these events, uh, and maybe talk about them in, in ways that b- between Israel and the neighboring countries uh, that we can actually build trust and, and, and talk effectively about uh, what's happening in the Middle East. Well, I'm not as abreast of current issues in Israel as, as some of your other guests undoubtedly are. But I will say this, Will Durant, the great historian, said, a great civilization is not conquered from without until it has destroyed itself within. So internal conflicts inside the nation of Israel are serious. And this is not necessarily a new thing. It may seem to be at a new level, but there's always been a lot of internal conflict. Uh, if, If you think American political systems are frustrating and make you want to tear the rest of your hair out, the, uh, the political systems inside of Israel are far more fractured. Yeah. Uh, so you want to actually go back and ask, so what's really at stake here? What What is happening? What kinds of changes are necessary for Israel to continue to be secure, for it to continue to be prosperous? Yeah. And the current conflict is something similar to what Americans, I think, would relate to the judicial system. Mm-hmm. There have been many times in America's history where People, say, on the political left wanted America to do something that they knew the voters would never go along with. And so they simply got the courts to legislate on their behalf. Mm-hmm. We've started to see that turn a little bit in the United States of America, but we have three branches of government on purpose. Mm-hmm. There's an executive branch whose job is not to make up stuff, but to implement the laws that are passed by the legislative branch and the judicial branch to make sure that none of this offends the Constitution. Uh, Israel's situation is very different. The nature Mm -hmm. of their Constitution is very, very different. It's not like a simple, straightforward document like we have in Mm -hmm. the United States. But their Mm -hmm. judicial system is in a lot of crisis right now and, and is in many ways holding the rest of the nation captive. 
So who benefits from that? Those are the people who will be in the streets opposing change. Who benefits from a change? Those are the people you'll see saying things on the other side. So right. I don't know if that's clarifying at all, but as Americans, right. we want to continue to pray, but we want to discern what's going yeah. to be best for the future of the nation, not what serves the political interest groups of right now. Well, I think that's really well said. And I think it is a matter of, of being discerning in the way we communicate these things. First of all, we're not there. And you know, second of all, it's a situation where uh, starting with uh, a sense of humility and discernment of what's really taking place, I think is is crucial if we want to be effective and not uh, immediately turn people uh, away uh, from engaging on these things. But we need to we need to do what Scripture says there too, and continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Sometimes it's from external forces, and sometimes it's it's internal, and that's currently the situation right now. Well, Jeff, I've wanted to talk about this for the whole podcast so far. We're gonna we're gonna spend the last part on this. This is your new book. Truth changes everything. You you wouldn't happen to have a copy of that uh, available to you right now because I don't have a copy here, and I want to show everybody what this looks like on our YouTube. But uh, I would love if, to if show. you don't, if yeah, you don't, we'll I've probably just away post every- a. <laughs> <laughs> given away. Hey, that's good. Given, that's the way to do I've it. I've given away that's every single copy that I have, but you can just Google "Truth sure. Changes Everything." It is get that the book in the- that will. Yeah, yeah. If you Google Truth Changes Everything, it will pop yeah. up. You can look at truthchangeseverything.com. Uh, you can find out about that book as well as the summer programs that I mentioned by going sure. to summit.org. That's yeah. a very easy way to find all of the relevant information. But the whole point Great of the website. book was to say Jesus is the truth. And recognizing that the truth is personal, what difference does that make? Because we could have all kinds of philosophical arguments. Is there truth or isn't there? Is there something beyond our perceptions or isn't there? But when you say, well, people who believe that Jesus is the truth, what difference did they actually make? Mm-hmm. And you find that in politics and injustice and science, arts, education, all these different areas, it was people who believed that Jesus is the truth. Entirely aside from the merits of that claim, that's the belief that they held to. Yeah. they were able to bring blessing and flourishing to the nations of the earth. And that's what the book is all about. Wow. Wow. I, can't, I mean, honestly, it's such an important thing. It's so foundational to the way we think about the world around us. And it's so uh, needed in this time where so many people are claiming to, uh, you know, uh, that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And you shouldn't impinge your worldview on my truth. Uh, you know, to go back to the very first question we asked at the top of the hour was Pontius Pilate asked the question of Jesus, what is truth? Dr. Jeff, can truth really be known? How can we approach or even answer or respond to the question that, that Pilate posed Jesus? Well, truth means what really is. So Pilate's question was a very cynical one because he knew that truth exists objectively, but he was also such a political man Mm-hmm. that he he knew that his ability to hold on to power depended on him shading the truth here and there in order to appease different groups that might otherwise be in conflict with one another. So the nature of truth is that it does exist. It is not easy to find. Uh, you have to work at it. You have to understand the world around you. You have to understand the patterns of ideas. When all of these things come together, that's when you start to see the world experiencing blessing and flourishing. Mm. Well, I mean, this is so, and again, you know, it, it continues to come back to me that it's so crucial that people really understand this. And that, that, that question wasn't the honest question of a seeker in Pilate. It was a cynical deflection of 
Christ's piercing uh, statement uh, that everyone who follows the truth would listen to me, would follow me, uh, because he is the truth. Dr. Jeff, I believe you've written that there's a daily conflict between competing ideas of truth. What are some of these conflicting ideas and how should we navigate this in our daily lives? I mean, it might be something for a, you know, uh, a deep conversation sometime, but, but maybe is this really going to be a practical thing in our daily lives? Well, it can be very practical. Uh, I can give you some examples. The battle today seems to be between two perspectives. On the one hand, seek the truth. On the other hand, speak your truth. <laughs> the first view says truth exists, not always, always easy to find, and it is not always easy to do what we know to be true. The other view says there is no truth outside of what you want. So people from that perspective will say, well, I guess truth is whatever helps me win. So if I'm debating somebody on the internet about something and I can cast aspersions on them and make, make them feel ashamed, I can attack their personality, then I win. Therefore, my viewpoint is correct. None of us want to live in a world where that's actually the case. You know, but people are confused. I ask students all of the time, hey, uh, let's talk about Adolf Hitler for a minute. Was Adolf Hitler wrong? And they say, yes. And I ask, well, why was he wrong? And they will tell me, because he lost. Because oh, he lost. Wow. So if he had won, then he would have been right. And they say, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the way the world is. Wow. No, if he had won, he would still have been wrong. You know, Augustine wrote in his book, City of God Against the Pagans, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, that the citizen of the kingdom of heaven will always be the best citizen in the kingdom of man because his allegiance is to something higher than the state. Mm -hmm. The president is not God. The king mm. is not God. Your ruler is not God. And we must obey God rather than man. That's how Peter put it in, in the book of Acts. So when we start with that, then we realize at all of these different areas, seeking the truth is what brings success. Think about it in science. How did science even become possible? Because people realized, well, I guess the world is rationally intelligible because there's someone who was rationally intelligent who made it. The world is stable and opens itself up to observation. We do an experiment at time A. We do an experiment at time B. We're experimenting in the same world. All of the innovations in modern science became possible because of these theists who believe that Jesus is the truth. And don't just take my word for it. The historian Rodney Stark said of the 52 individuals whose inventions and discoveries constituted modern science, only one of them was an atheist. Only one. Wow. Now, this is yeah. not what you hear in science class at right. all. Right. But we know these things about the physical world. And we know that certain responses are inappropriate. If I say water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit at sea level, it wouldn't be appropriate for someone to say, well, keep your opinions to yourself. You know, they, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be an appropriate response. Well, what about right. historical facts? If I say Martin Luther right. King was shot on April 4th, 1968, it wouldn't be appropriate for someone to say, well, we see it differently in our culture. No, those are facts. In the yeah. same way that there are historical and scientific facts, there are also moral facts about the world. Hmm. And, and we all we recognize this even if we don't want to admit it. If somebody hmm. talks about justice, they have to recognize that their ability to even talk about the concept hmm. relies on something that goes beyond the individuals in the conversation, something that must actually exist. You know, that is so fascinating to really step back and to, to apply that to, you know, any situation, you know, that there's not a, 
unlimited number of perspectives on reality. There is a truth that transcends those things. You may have certain opinions about certain facts, and there may be some some things that that fall into that category. But the the, the truth is, if you will, uh, if, if I may use that term in this way, the truth is the truth exists, and there is a there's a foundation for reality that uh, that we need to teach more about and understand a little bit better. And this kind of worldview approach is so uh, vital to understanding this. Well, before we take off here and before we end our, our hour, you know, can I ask you, you know, again, from a worldview perspective, why is it important for Christians to understand what they believe, uh, why they believe it, and, and maybe how to defend it? Well, again, Carl, it, the, this is beyond just political or social. You don't want to learn to defend your biblical beliefs just because you don't want to be caught off guard in a conversation or because you're looking for that mic drop moment with other people where they say, gosh, I guess you're right and I'm wrong. No, if a biblical worldview really represents the truth, then by learning to articulate the truth, it's as if, you know, most people are peering through this little tiny keyhole trying to grasp reality. And you're saying, no, Jesus comes along and opens the door. You know, why are you peering through the keyhole? Yeah. Just open the door and you can see all of reality. That doesn't make reality easy. Sometimes grappling mm. re- with reality is harder than just trying to make up your own reality. But mm. all true success for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for the nations of the earth begins with that search for truth. That's wow. why it's so important for Christians to learn to defend what they believe. Wow. Um, we're going to need to leave it there. That is so stimulating. And, and I'm so excited that you've had, uh, you know, the opportunity to talk with us today, uh, Jeff, and, and and to give us a first look at, at why truth is so critical to this conversation. And I want to encourage everybody listening to, uh, to go to Amazon right now and buy a copy of Dr. Jeff's book, because uh, it's going to be foundational to understanding everything that we see in the world around us. And and as I said before, Jeff, you know, Joel and I do this podcast to help people connect the dots between what God is uh, saying in the Bible and what uh, is happening in the world around, and then ultimately to where we'll be going with uh, prophetic scripture. But again, I want to thank you, Jeff, for your time. I want to encourage people uh, to check out Summit Ministries and just want to thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation. It's been really fascinating. It's been a lot of fun. Just uh, please, if you're watching or listening, go to summit.org. Check out the two-week programs that we have for 16 to 22-year-olds. This could be the summer that changes the life trajectory of a young adult you know and love. And that's really, more than anything, at the heart of what God's called me to do. So thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it. Well, amen. And and to our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, visit our website at joshuafund.com. And there you can learn about what we're doing in the Middle East to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus, and how you can participate in the healing work we're doing in this critical region. And as always, check out our show notes for anything you heard on the podcast you'd like more information on, including Jeff's new book, uh, and uh, and the Summit Ministries uh, website. Uh, for Joel Rosenberg, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund. And I've got exciting news. In 2023, I'm inviting you 
on behalf of our entire board and staff to come to the Holy Land, to come to Israel on the next prayer and vision tour. This is the 75th anniversary of the prophetic rebirth of the modern state of Israel back in 1948. And what is God doing here? It's amazing, spiritually, economically, in so many ways. There's been so much growth, so much progress, but the best is yet to come. And we want you to see it. We want you to walk where Jesus walked. We want you to see where the apostles ministered. We want you to see where people's lives were transformed by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you to see this city where Jesus died and rose again and where he's coming back, I hope soon. But in the meantime, come to Israel with the Joshua Fund. You can learn more about the trip, the itinerary, the cost, all the details at joshuafund.com. But sign up quickly because I think this thing is going to fill up fast. The Prayer and Vision Tour of Israel in the fall of 2023. I hope to see you there. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.